0: What is up, everybody? Pete Kennedy here of Subway Sports Talk. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you all the same. And before my boy Frank Villani joins me to talk about the Mets, the Yankees, baseball, and, of course, the New York Knicks, there are two pressing sports matters that are rather important to talk about right now, one of which has to do with New York sports, and I think you know where I'm headed there. And the other one is a great national story that – Came up just short for absolute historic purposes as Baylor has knocked off Gonzaga and the undefeated season escapes them officially. That was still an awesome tournament. Great fun. Baylor absolutely showed out at the end there. But let's start with the thing that's on a lot of people's minds, in particular Jets fans in New York, but Giants fans are interested as well because in weird ways the Giants are... are connected to Sam Darnold they passed up on him they didn't take a quarterback in that draft they took Daniel Jones a year later and now they're perhaps a year away from experiencing the same decision the Jets had to make we're not going to go into Daniel Jones though we're talking here about Sammy D he had a very I was going to say up and down he had a very down with some up time in New York right it wasn't up and down true because that would imply that there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. It was more downs than ups, but there were a few ups. Specifically, you know, the 7-6 and six record as a starter in year two, followed up by a not-so-great 2-10 and 10 record as a starter in year three. But there were some nice moments. There were years of excitement. There were moments of excitement with Sam Darnold, but the era has officially ended. And I think Jets fans are relieved in a way, even Jet fans who liked Sam Darnold. And I think a lot of Jets fans rooted for the guy, like the guy a lot. I know as a non-Jets fan, I liked him coming out of the draft. I wanted the Giants to go for him. And I don't feel like people who liked Sam Darnold are proven completely wrong yet, right? There's still some stuff that he leaves on the table, a lot to be desired, but he has talent. He's made some plays. That being said, my personal opinion is the Jets did the right thing here. And that's not even in particular because I love Zach Wilson. It's not in particular because I love Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And I think the Jets are going to go that route. It's more about the ideation of creating a team. What is important to you? What allows you to do what you want to do? And right now, if I was Joe Douglas and I'm a Jets fan, I'm saying this has been ugly. It's been three years of mostly bad with a few ups sprinkled in. It might be a great opportunity to rip the bandaid off, start fresh Start with a quarterback making a small amount of money and build around him the right way from the ground up. That, in its infancy, in its smallest state of an idea, is important to me and makes the most sense. And it almost has nothing to do with Sam Darnold. It has more to do with how to successfully put together a team and the timeline of this team. Even if the Jets hit on the quarterback, which we're going to assume is Zach Wilson at this point in time, even if they hit, And we're all feeling real good about the Jets quarterback position uh, this coming season. And he's playing well and he's making plays looking like, yeah, maybe not uh, a Herbert level rookie quarterback, but making plays, doing some good things on the, on the field. There's still a fantastic chance. The Jets are nowhere near competitive in a division that is still solid. The bills are one of the best teams in the league. The dolphins just came off 10 wins and are getting better in some departments. The Patriots are expected to not tank and, still put their best foot forward, and I think at minimum, hover around 500, get close to it. So the Jets have a long ways to go. They have a lot of ground to gain. What was the route for Sam Darnold to make it right, to finally have it click, and to bring this team to any sort of promised land? Even if you sit here with faith in Sam Darnold, though disappointed with how it's went, it's hard to draw up a path where that was really going to turn for the better over the long haul. Now, granted, you could argue if he doesn't do well enough, you might be able to keep him on the cheap, and the money aspect of this goes uh, out the window. But you're starting with a new quarterback in Zach Wilson that's now going to get another two to three years to figure it out himself with all this money to spend, with Joe Douglas now putting his imprints on this team and an opportunity for a quarterback to not have to write the ship by himself as the savior that Sam had to try and be, but more to join a team that's getting better, getting deeper, getting more talented, and he can help rise with them. You know, He can help bring the level up together rather than expecting one quarterback to come in and do it by himself or to stay and still try to be that savior that he never was able to be and probably most quarterbacks wouldn't have been able to be. You flip most quarterbacks into the situation Sam Darnold's been in in his three years in New York, most of them are going to struggle really, really bad. Now, some of them are undeniable. There are talented players out there who are undeniable. I think Joe Burrow, in limited time last year before injury, proved that he was undeniable as a good quarterback who was going to win games or keep his team in games. Tua didn't do that. You know, Herbert actually did that, which was impressive, and no one saw it coming. It took Josh Allen three years to do that. I don't think it was going to happen for Sam in New York, and that is why I'm very much okay with ripping the bandaid off. And it has nothing to do with Sam the quarterback. It has everything to do with looking forward, how to build this team, and now entering, the, well, next year or entering the draft, and then onward with cap flexibility and possibilities. A cheap quarterback who, if he do hit on him, the world is your oyster. That's the path Joe Douglas is looking for. That's the path that the Niners have taken. The Rams have taken. Uh, the Seahawks took a couple years back. The Eagles took a couple years back. Cheap quarterback, make it happen within those first four years, and then you can see where that's going to take you. That's the path. That's what the Jets are doing right now. And it's so crazy. It just might work. But really, will, will it Will it work? I don't know. I don't think Jet fans feel that confident. I'm just saying. I'm going keep to that, keep that one between us, though. And why should they? Because it hasn't gone well in a minute. All right, now I'm just getting mean. But, again, I do agree with the idea of moving on from Darnold. The Hall in return, don't love it. Obviously, sixth round pick for 2021, second and a fourth or second and a sixth, I forget, in 2022. So it's tough. It hurts. It stings. You got to throw out another jersey, Jets fans. I get it. It's tough. But this Band-Aid being ripped off allows the next steps, the next portions of team building to happen more seamlessly, more fluidly and the whole level of this organization can now rise as one rather than having Sam feel like he still has to do it all by himself or integrate into this new team with a GM that didn't draft him and always looking over his shoulder. It's a fresh start. It's a good opportunity. I think the Jets did the right thing. But now moving on, real quick, I don't have much, much to say here, but the Gonzaga-Baylor game was exciting but a blowout. It wasn't good down to the end, but Baylor put on a performance by themselves. And it's a little sad to come out here and say Gonzaga was unable to put it together and finish the spectacular undefeated season. It was an incredible run from them. The team is awesome. They won, what was it, 20-something games in a row by double-digit points. Then they win an overtime, just madness in the Final Four, coming off an emotional, physical game. Shout out to my boy Kyle. He was on the podcast last week. He said in the group chat, he's like, that emotional and physical high that they hit in that Final Four game to beat UCLA is really, really hard to replicate. It's really hard. And I think Baylor took advantage of that. They looked fresher. They looked stronger. They looked more aggressive. And goddamn, they looked just as talented, which is insane to say after how we've spoken about Gonzaga to this point being not just a great basketball team, but one of the better college basketball teams in not just recent history, but kind of history in some ways. They had an opportunity there to cement themselves. Now, without the national championship, I think the narrative that this is one of the better teams ever, which was probably strong to say already, you know, just it was probably a strong thing to say just based off conferences and whatnot and this and that, but they were spectacular. They don't deserve to get any hate for what happened here in the national championship because they were awesome. Jalen Suggs is the real deal. I want that guy on my team at the next level. Kispert is awesome. Timmy's a great uh, college player. I don't know what he'll be in the league. If anything, Kispert's good. That guy can shoot. He needs to get his confidence up a couple times in that natty champ game where Baylor was in his shorts and he was a little hesitant to get a shot up, but he's really good. And Damn, Davion Mitchell is tough. He's such a good player. Uh, Teague over there for Baylor. The whole team was grinding. I forget what the big guy's name was, but he was a hound on the glass. So for all the, the praise that can go to Gonzaga for an awesome season and the high level of talent that they put together this year, you tip your cap to Baylor because they absolutely balled out, put on a show by themselves in a blowout. In a blowout of a national championship game, it was interesting to watch pretty much to the end because of the high level, high energy, high IQ, high toughness basketball that Baylor played from start to finish. Goddamn, I walked away impressed. And a great story for the Baylor head coach. They showed it 2001 or 2002. He got hired and said, we're going to make Baylor not just a good team that's going to make it to the tournament. We're going to win games in the NCAA tournament. We're going to try to win a championship. And God damn it, you did it. You sick son of a bitch. Subway Sports Talk, that's what we got. Mets, Yankees, baseball, Knicks coming up after the intro. You know how it goes right here on Subway Sports Talk. Stay tuned. subway sports talk Dan Dan Dan
1: clear of the closing doors please
0: all right here we go with subway sports talk my name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host thank you so much as always for tuning in to SST on Apple podcast app Spotify Wherever you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you all the same. Today, we come here with appreciation that we got to see our New York Mets play a baseball game, but we also come away a little frustrated as I hit my mic right on cue. As Jacob DeGrom, another great outing, yet no W on the board for the New York Mets here to meet, here with me to talk all things baseball, Mets, Yankees, sprinkling some Knicks maybe at some point. Some MLB around the league stuff. My guy, itching to talk baseball in the pod. It's been a minute. You may know him talking hoops. It's Frank Villani. What's up, guy?
1: Yo, yo. How's it going, Pete? Happy to be here.
0: I don't know why I went with like the big buildup like you were going to be some surprise. Meanwhile, it'll 100% <laughs> say in the description of the episode like Pete Kennedy and Frank Villani. I will 100% say in the intro that I'm going to record before this part, joining me in a second, Frank Villani. Then they're going to hear me be like, uh, this big mystery, like the guy who you hear sometimes talking about something else <laughs> and it'll just I mean, be, I, you. I appreciated it. You, you know, go. I, if nobody else does, at least I did. It felt, know? it felt right in the moment. You know? It's and, good
1: to make your guests feel special. You know, your co-host, your guests,
0: right? A co-host, but we'll, we can, we can just, go there. That's
1: just, that's good hosting. That's yeah. just good hosting, man.
0: And uh, it's funny because you and I have had many a conversations about you jumping on for a baseball episode and just based off of like schedules and when we do this and you, you know, doing an NBA episode on a Wednesday and then we do the other one. You just didn't haven't done it, but you are a baseball fan, follower, appreciator, enthusiast, wise guy, I would say, cause you know, your stuff. So isn't it kind of weird that you haven't really talked much baseball in the pod here?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's long overdue, I would say for sure. Uh, I'm excited to f- officially do it. I usually throw it in there for my last words occasionally, so yeah, I'm I'm pumped up. I, I got a game on in the background. You know
0: me. Absolutely. Totally and uh, I I need you to join Alec and Andrew myself because I need some Met fan energy in there. I'm not gonna lie, Andrew Kalania is a Yankee fan, but he is a very you know fair and excited baseball fan. So he pulled for the Mets. He wants them to be good, and it seems like Andrew will be on my side at least sometimes when Alex trying to be a big, bad Yankee fan. I need your energy sometimes.
1: I can be there. So you have my word, I'll be there.
0: We're, we're going we're gonna to expound upon that energy today, talk Mets, even though it was frustrating. We're going to get to it. We're also going to touch the Yankees and, and just hop around the league a little bit, and we will also talk Knicks. I don't know if I mentioned that already. just want to sprinkle that in. We'll talk a little bit Knicks at the end. As they're approaching a point in the season where it is crunch time, and they've been coming up short with tough losses after tough losses. A few bad losses sprinkled in with a win over the Pistons that, you know, you're almost forgetting about because it's the only good moment in the, in the recent week or two. Uh, but let's start with the New York Mets, Frank. Do you want to say anything about not getting to see them play until Monday? Like, do you want to say anything or do you want to just skip past it, forget that it happened now that we have one game on the board, you don't want to remember that they, they didn't get to play on the first weekend?
1: No, I mean, I think it's definitely pertinent to to talk about. uh It was it was like kind of lonely. It felt like I, I used a couple of different ways to describe it, and even you did on Twitter too. I felt like you know Squidward watching SpongeBob and Patrick play outside. I said to a couple of friends, it felt like I was at a party and everybody was hooking up, and I was just sitting there in the corner with a beer in my hand. Like you know, I was like, and I it, 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 trust me, I was watching. I I, I re upped my my MLB subscription. I had you know, both screens going. So I, I was watching and I was just internally kind of sad. So just having the excitement pregame, you know, seeing the lineup, uh, get, getting ready to see DeGrom, which is, you know, obviously always a treat, not just for Mets fans, but for, for people who appreciate baseball. Um, it, it was a great feeling. It was, it was a good day overall, I would say. You know, you, you hit on it early, but we left a little disappointed. But, I mean... This is the first day of Mets baseball and I don't know how many months. So right. it's a good day.
0: And there's a new excitement and that's why it was so like shitty in the, in the first place. Like there was extra and specific excitement coming into this season. You know, we just signed Lindor like when, that was within 24 hours. We officially signed Lindor and the first game was canceled. And then we the whole sure. first wow. series was canceled. Like what, a, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, what a buzzkill. Like that was rough to have all this excitement. And you got to think about, the players too, they're getting ramped up like all spring training, which let's be honest, if you are a major league baseball player who's been doing this for more than a year or two, you know, spring training isn't exactly exciting the entire time you get nice and, you know, jacked up when you first show up, see the guys, you're, you're getting in shape, you're getting your swings in halfway through spring training. The guys who have done it before are like, all right, come on, let's just get there now, you know? So you build up for that moment and it gets taken away from you. They did come out with good energy today, so that wasn't really an issue, but it's definitely got to be weird for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, just just on the baseball thing alone, I mean, you know, the added days of rest for pitchers, which is not something normal, and then just days in between live at-bats. You know, I'm sure they do something, but nothing can quite replicate what it's like to play in a game. So, um, I, I mean, I, I was surprised in the beginning, to be honest. DeGrom looked okay. He, he wasn't crisp, but he's still throwing 101, you know, mainly throwing fastballs to start the game, just overpowering people, which at this point, you know, he can do. He, he throws that hard. It's kind of crazy. Um, But on the other end, Matt Moore was doing the same thing, throwing 93-mile-an-hour fastballs from the left side. And for the first time through the, the batting order, basically, uh, they didn't make any contact until DeGrom got up and, you know, got the Mets first hit of 2021.
0: Uh, yeah. How apropos of him to get the first hit and then an RBI and still get no win.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what more does the guy have to do? He got, he got two hits an RBI. One of those hits was the first hit of the season for the Mets through six innings, had seven strikeouts, no earned runs, no runs. And, and they, they still blew it for him. So I feel for him more than myself. Uh, We'll we'll bounce back though. Yeah, I mean, for sure.
0: No, wait, I have two I have one thing that I really want to get to you get to uh with Jacob deGrom, not have to ask you, but before we get there, I have this this point. As Mets fans, as baseball fans, as sports fans, people you and I were on Twitter, people who are on Twitter, we're all seeing reactions. And reactions in the first day, the first five days of a season are always crazy, right? Every single way you skin the cat, like there are crazy takes from fans on Twitter and media members on Twitter are like in the first 24 hours, let alone first week. So obviously this guy's falling for Mets fans. A lot of them on Twitter, anyone who has a sane brain is like, all right, it's okay. We lost a game, whatever. It sucks. Like, but it's because of the history of the bullpen blowing it and Degrom not winning these great starts that people are saying it like, do you put any stock into it? Or do you chalk it up to being the first game? Right? Like, cause you can easily sit here and go like we just did, kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, here we go again, DeGrom, great start, gets an RBI, still doesn't win. Like, here we go again. Or is it like, come on, it's the first game of the season, it's not going to keep happening, right? Like, what side do you land on there?
1: I mean, it, it, I, it definitely concerns me. Um, I think coming into the season, for me at least, that's the biggest question mark for us is the bullpen. Uh, as odd as it is to say, like, Ed, Edwin Diaz isn't the question mark for the Mets this year. It's more Jerry's familia. What are we going to get out of him for $10 million? And Dylan Batances, who's throwing, like, 91 in spring training. What are we going to get out of him for $10 million? You know, Trevor May just came over on a pretty big contract, and, I mean, he only faced three batters today, but he, he didn't he didn't do so good in his in his three batters. He struck out one guy, gave up a hit, and walked the guy. And then the other new guy, Aaron loop came in and supposed to be a lefty specialist. He hit Harper right in the ass cheek with his 70 mile an hour slider loopy you know. doopy a, bullshit. If you're going to hit Harper <laughs> hit him with a, with a hundred and one mile an hour to ground fastball, not some poopy ass
0: fucking slider. Yeah, there we go. All right. Now we're cooking. All right. So I, I feel you. So you're it, saying yes, but like, all right, it, like it's okay for now, but I'm worried. I'm concerning. I'm monitoring the situation.
1: Yeah, like just just because it's been it, it was on the radar before the season even began.
0: Right. Okay, that's you that's a fair way my, to look at it because I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a sky is falling text. guy. It's predicted. What'd you say?
1: Yeah. A, you can go through my text. It was it was predicted. It right. was like, all right, Degrom's out. Here here goes the game, which I'm sure a lot a lot of Mets fans can probably say they either felt or said or did the same thing I did, but um, I, I think there's some credence to it. That's the, that's the that's the question mark of the team. That's not even, that's not even supposed to be knee jerk, but I guess it kind of is. Right.
0: Well, I guess it's, it's more of like a, all right, you know, talk to him, talk to us in a week, talk to us in two weeks, and then we'll see if it's still an issue or if it was just a bad first game, but hopefully it was just a bad first game, but I guess it is kind of fair for Mets fans to feel the way they do. Um, question about Jacob deGrom though, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just interested on what you have to say. He's throwing hundred miles per hour consistently. Now it's insane. If you look at his arc of miles per hour he averages on his fastballs over the past five years. It's just up, 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 up. And now he's like the hardest thrower in baseball. So yep. not that you're a, a certified trainer or a physician, some sports scientist, but you are a guy who appreciates, pays attention,s pays attention to stuff, cares. Like, what do you make of that? Uh, like, do you think it's, it goes down to his irregular arm talent or do you think it's advanced like strength and stretching techniques like when you see that and think about how he got there what stands out to you
1: so there's it's a culmination of things i don't think it's any one thing specifically um and i think baseball fans and you know everybody who follows baseball is kind of aware of it but doesn't really make the connection uh the baseballs they've been using are are not the same baseballs they were using when DeGrom first came up, first of all. These balls travel slightly different. They go further, generally. You know what I mean? They're tighter seams, so I think that Mm -hmm. partially has to do with his uptick in velocity and and RPM. And, you know, in addition to that, he's a long-levered kind of guy. He's got long legs. He's got long arms. And I've read things in the past that uh, these high-level trainers—I'm forgetting the name of that one facility that does all the the velocity training for pitchers—that that's very popular. Um, but regardless, they do a lot with with um, landing and how long landing is and how that can help you extra rotation on the ball. And for a guy, you know, who's six foot five and 190 pounds, soaking wet, looking like Gumby on the mound. That's something he could take <laughs> advantage of, I think. And I, I think he does. So I think a combination of the baseballs and and him just utilizing his natural strengths kind of to what you said, his natural arm talent. Right. I, I would even just say his natural athletic ability. I think it's more than just the arm. Um, I mean, the guy throws 93 mile an hour sliders. Right.
0: Because he's like just a slender to- guy. Like, you know, you see Syndergaard and you're like, all right, that guy is absolutely yoked. There's tons of strength coming out of every part of his body. But it looks like he's throwing a lot harder than Jake is. And DeGrom's ball is effortlessly going faster than a Syndergaard pitch. It it almost comes off his hand effortlessly. And when you see these slow-mos now where the cameras are so good, they're picking up the spin at a crazy rate on the slow-mo shot, right? Like, I just imagine trying to be a hitter up there and knowing he has all this junk that can move and cut and drop and slide. And then just seeing like 101 fly right past you before you can even decide if it's a fastball or not. Like it's, it's gone. It's gone. And it's just, yeah. it's just really, it really is crazy to watch. And it looks like it just glides off his hand and it's so fluid. <laughs> it's, it's really insane.
1: It's great. I feel like usually, you know, people like Oh, would it be? like, what would you do? If you did that? Specifically talking about guys who throw like really, really hard. I feel like usually those guys, don't strikes so you can kind of tongue-in-cheek be like swing you walk me he can't even say that with the Grom. he's gonna he's gonna throw you a 101 mile an hour strike on on the low outside corner like good good luck my friend yeah
0: <laughs> you yeah know? there's no chance in france no. like there's no chance yeah. you got nothing to do <laughs> up against him and a lot of pro hitters I, feel the I, same I, way yeah. like pro hitters don't hit this guy it, it's it really is insane yeah. How, how dominant he is and he just cruised 60 mean, ish pitches through five innings and it's just like wow it's like so effortless for this guy even if there's a moment or two um like there was a moment earlier i think it was the first or second inning he had a guy or, or two on and it was like it's fine he still has a low pitch count after five and he's getting ramped up and he's cruising like you said he wasn't even that crisp yet still no, he wasn't pretty much dominant pretty much that
1: that's why he's the best that, that's why and i mean i'll say this with confidence he's He's the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, for what it's worth, at least the last three seasons and going into this year, um, even when he's not on top of his game, he's able to do things. He's able to people out. He battle and he just feel like he never gives up more than three runs in a start. You know, knock on wood. Obviously, he's a he's a gem. Yeah, they were, they were comparing him to. Uh, The broadcast was comparing him to Sandy Koufax today and kind of making his Hall of Fame case and saying how 300 wins is kind of like a baseline thing for a lot of these guys that are in there. And, you know, DeGrom's got 70 career wins. And I think I read that the Mets have blown 38 of them after he's left the game. So, you know, even if he had all of those, he's still a, a long ways away. And he's not... Uh, a very young man. So they were saying like, you know, if he has this five year span of just dominance where he's clearly the best pitcher in baseball, which I think he's already done for, for three years. Right. He's clearly a guy that
0: I, that I you know what? The it's funny that they had that conversation. You're bringing up here. Cause with Alec and Andrew on our baseball pod, I said something about his run right now. I was like, this is an all time run. Like you, you think about what he's done now. And despite the, team success around him. And despite all that stuff with the blown leads and whatnot, he has put together an absolute all time run. There's an argument. He could have three Cy Young's in a row. Like there was a true argument to be made for him last year. And he's the favorite again this year. You know what I mean? And if he's a top two or three Cy Young candidate, even if he doesn't win it again, that is four years where there's a legitimate argument to give this man, the Cy Young. And that is absolutely outrageous. I hope, I hope he gets to show it off on the big stage in October this year. And that's what we're going to keep talking about here with the overall outlook of the New York Mets. So we know the bullpen's an issue. We know DeGrom is DeGrom. I think we have to kind of wait and see on the Tawan walkers of the world uh, and Stroman's health and, and what, whatever with the rest of the rotation. So let's talk about some of the hitters. I know you have thoughts about who you want to see more from. You felt, I think decent about Frankie Lindor. So first day, first impressions of the lineup. How'd you feel? Uh, even sprinkling your thought about Pilar getting getting the nod on opening day.
1: Yeah, so I'll start there. Um, I didn't hate Pilar starting. Um, we just harped on it for a while. But DeGrom's been this good a pitcher with one of the worst defenses in baseball for the last couple of years. So, you know, you throw Frankie Lindor at shortstop, you get a goal glover there. You throw McNeil to his natural position over at second base, and you have some good outfield defense you can, you know, you can really shut some teams down. So I didn't hate that. But when the opportunity came, I think it was the fourth inning. I know it's early, but it's bases loaded one out and they take the lefty out. And Pilar's spots up. I think you have to put Dom Smith up there. Uh, I think it's inarguable that Dom Smith was the best hitter on the Mets last year overall. Mm -hmm. And, um, It's crazy to me that he didn't get in a bat today. Yeah. like absolutely bonkers. I was
0: thinking about it during the game, and we'll get back to the rest of your thoughts in the lineup. I'm glad you brought me here because if you didn't bring it up, that was my next question. Like, if you don't want to say he was the best hitter on the Mets last year, it's pretty inarguable he was the second best hitter on the Mets last year. I think Conforto's numbers were really, really great. I think they were saying on the broadcast tonight, too, his OPS was, like, through the roof. So he was killing it. But Dom Smith was freaking awesome. Now
1: I think Dom Smith's OPS is better. It
0: was it it, it might have been, but maybe Conforto played more. I don't whatever it was. Conforto
1: Does... played more, but Dom Smith finished top five in OPS.
0: Oh wow! So even better for that argument then. It's like I get the lefty lefty thing. Pilar has a, a good lifetime uh, average against lefties. He hits them well. The defense thing is a great idea. But if I'm the coach or the GM of the Mets, if you want to say they're they're calling the shots here, I'm telling Dom Smith at the beginning of the game. Like, you better be ready because you are getting it at bat. No matter what happens, you will be getting one at bat at some point today. Yeah. Because that, like, it's a waste not to when he's been that talented for you in, in recent history, like the, the last season, right? The last Mets baseball we saw, he was one of the best hitters on the team. So I, I couldn't believe it. I am just really hoping it's not a sign of what's to come because I think Mets fans would lose their shit, first of all, if Dom Smith's not in the lineup, you know. 85% Almost of the time, day. let alone yeah. 95% of the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, like if, if they want to do a thing where he doesn't start when DeGrom pitches because they want to do a defense thing, like I'll swallow that pill, but the guy hits, the guy hits too much. He, he has to play.
0: He has to. he has to,
1: he has to play.
0: And it's, it, I mean, I don't want to harp on this cause we've talked about it uh, at nauseum at this point. It's just so ridiculous. There's no DH. It, it's so at this point in time. It is so ridiculous and it crushes the Mets It, it in particular crushes the Mets because yep. of Dom Smith and a couple other teams too. It's not just the Mets. It's not just Dom Smith. It's just, it hurts that that's the case.
1: It does. Unfortunate. So I can keep moving some other things from the lineup. Um, I mean, obviously you want to see more from, from three, four, uh, Conforto had one one hit, but it was with nobody on base, and he did have a couple opportunities of people on, so he did strand some people today. Um, I, I forget who got that RBI late at the end of the game, but it was 5-3, to three, two runners on, Pete was up, and he hit a ball all the way to the warning track. So, you know, it's hard to to harp on him for that. It was a good at-bat. It was a good piece. You know, maybe in the summer night it gets out. It was kind of cold, and the ball was not traveling today. There were yeah. a few balls that seemed like home runs. I think you mentioned it um off off recording, but Neil barreled a couple of balls up
0: today. Yeah, he um, was pissed about it too. You can see when you, the first one he hits a dead center and he thought he got it and he got the first base. He was like, God damn, like I really yeah. thought I barreled that one up.
1: And even, even Reese Hoskins hit a ball in the first inning that mm,
0: crazy play. Um, to on start almost off.
1: any other and on almost any other night is a home run. And got thrown out of third base, kind of bailed us out to start that game.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting um, thing that we I kind of forgot about at this point because it was so early in the game. So many things happened after that. That yep. would have been a game changer if that was a couple inches higher, and or he was safe at third.
1: Yep, it was. Is definitely uh, the ball wasn't traveling, so it's hard to like really harp on anybody. But
0: yeah, and I don't, you know, you know I don't want you to harp on anyone. I Just wanted you to get some first impressions. You, you feel good though about the the makeup of this lineup. Still is the point.
1: Yeah, I mean they should be i mean like one 1 through 6 and even um, McCann had an RBI a guy that I was like pretty high on in this offseason like happy that we brought him in um that was good to see i mean Frankie Lindor had a good at bat in that in the in the second inning where they were threatening i think it was the fourth so like you know he showed a little bit he would a uh, he'd a bunch of foul balls one of them was a foul ball home run by like you know a couple of feet it was very close um but yeah, I just felt like, you know, you, you need more from, from four or five, pretty much three, four, five. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And that's
0: going to be the story, right? That's going to be a story of the season. If the the guys on top, whether it's, uh, I don't think it's gonna be Pilar too often, but when it's Nimmo, if he keeps getting on base, like he does, he got walked and sprinted to first again today. Like if yep. he's on base, then it turns into our Lindor Conforto and Alonzo doing their jobs. And, yep. and, and there's a great chance they will. And Dom Smith should be thrown into that category. And it's weird. My, mentally, me forgetting him is because the Mets are not putting him in the forefront of our minds for some odd reason. But, you know. I mean,
1: you could argue that he should be the three-hitter. or you, Yeah,
0: you know. 100%. And you know what will be funny? It, it was always funny to me growing up, and now even still to this day, guys who don't play every day or play like half the games, but when they do play, bat like fifth. It's like, so when you play them, you want them... To get a lot of at bats and important at bats, but you're not playing them every day. Like, what is that about? You know what I mean? Like, it's just odd. a weird concept. It is very odd. Yeah, because it's not like there's a sixth man in baseball. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't want to harp too much on it because obviously it's one game. They they had a great chance to win. Not we're not going to overreact or react about anything here. We still feel really good about it, and we will discuss more as we move on. I don't even think there's much I want to say about the Yankees right now. Stand at home run. Judge hit a home run. They're off the Schneid. They crush the Orioles. That's what they do. We have well, any, you have anything to add for I, the Yankees before we just do some around the league stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for starters, I think coming into the season, their biggest question mark was was starting pitching, and I guess like sort of kind of bullpen ish. Yeah, for Not sure. Not Really pitching in general, I mean, but yes, a specifically little specifically with, with with Chapman suspended for the first you know few games and uh, Britain hurt. Um but I I've been pleasantly surprised by their pitching staff. Their pitching is not the reason they're what two and two right now, right? Mm-hmm. So uh the offense just didn't hit in that first series versus Toronto. So uh I if I'm a Yankees fan, honestly, I mean obviously they're probably pissed, but I'd be encouraged because the part of your team that you probably need to be better than it was last year to 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 take that next step has has looked a little bit better. Obviously, it's very early, but you know, right? Take everything with a grain of salt.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. And the fact that Judge and Stanton get off the Schneid with a home run today, you know, you're here. Glaber Torres, yeah,
1: you definitely feel a little bit better. You're
0: right bound, there. you're bound to get a Glaber home run against the Orioles. You know, you might get another Gary home run. He's been hitting monster bombs at this point in time. Uh, so yeah, you okay. feel good about the Yankees. We're gonna talk about the Yankees with Alec and Andrew uh, later in the week. We're gonna do a bigger baseball episode, but we're doing baseball right now too. So why don't we do this, Frank? Let's um let's hop around the league because I know you're not just a Mets fan. You're not just a New York guy. You follow baseball. You know baseball. So is there – let me ask you this. Is there a specific team outside of your Mets that you have uh, a keen eye for right now? That you're saying, all right, it's West Coast game. I'm picking out this team or I'm picking out this player. Who's that team or player for you right now? For the
1: past three years, it's – Bounce between the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, and the Padres. I think the Padres, definitely, obvious for obvious reasons, are still uh, in there. But I will say, I've watched two Angels games already. I watched the Dylan Bundy start, and I watched the Shohei Ohtani start. And my goodness, Shohei, Hota- Shohei Ohtani might be the best show on the diamond
0: Mm. it's spectacular
1: if you get get a day like like he had where he starts he's throwing 100 he's pitching well and then he also hits a bomb i don't think there'd be anything cooler than that like unless you go to a game where degrom hits a home run or something but even that like he he ain't hitting it uh 460 feet 115 miles an hour off the bat you you know it's like a little bit different oh for sure I think I will be tuning into more Angels games than I have in years past.
0: And isn't it funny that it's high that's getting you to the screen, not Mike Trout? I mean, he's definitely also part of
1: it. but he helps. This he show, helps. The Shohei sprinkle is like the is what was what elevates it above those other teams I mentioned before, the Padres and and I mean the Rockies are they're kind down of down in the gutter. And bad right now. You, the, even the Diamondbacks are kind of down in that gutter too, but.
0: I also have watched two Angel games this year already, by the way. Uh, yeah. which is which has been cool. The show high game was awesome. I am just absolutely enamored with the fact that he turned around that ninety seven mile per hour pitch at the top of the zone. Dude, like, he didn't
1: just like he he like is like full body weight too. Like it was <laughs> I, like I know
0: I know everybody throws hard in the MLB right now, and I know everybody can hit a ninety seven mile per hour fastball. So at surface level, it doesn't sound that impressive when I say it was so cool to watch him hit a 97 mile per hour pitch for a home run. Cause that doesn't sound cool. But if you've seen that pitch and if you yeah. watched how his hands exploded to that zone and he turned it around like 97 at the top of the zone, a little outside. And he drove that thing, pulled it to right center, just crushed beautifully. it beautifully. It's like, yeah. that is not just, that's not your average home run right there. That is a incredibly impressive, gorgeous home run that, Proves a level of talent higher than just about any other home run you see in the league.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It. Yeah. It, it. Like he's. He showed why. You know. I mean, it's crazy to say, but they they were calling him the the Japanese Babe Ruth and and stuff like that. Like, I don't. Obviously, he's got to do so much more
0: for it to like, for it to matter and hold up. Yeah, of course.
1: But but all the tools the pitching, like, he's got the 99. He's got a nasty splitter. He's got a nasty slider. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark consistently. He can hit for average. He's kind of fast. Like, it's all there. It's all there. It's just it's just a matter of how it manifests.
0: And I think Angel, the Angels, in particular, are kind of desperate for it to manifest this year because they need... I feel
1: like I am too, man. I feel like, like if you're a real baseball fan... And like look at look at other sports. Like your your number one guys are always there. Mm-hmm. LeBron, always there. I mean, he was in the finals for nine straight years. He's been in the playoffs for I mean, they missed one with the Lakers a year ago, but it's like twelve of the last thirteen years. Seventeen Tom of Brady, the last
0: eighteen years, like <laughs>
1: Yeah, like Tom Tom Brady, the the go to football, he's been there for two decades now it seems like you know it's probably 15 years or something oh no, it's
0: pretty yeah. much two decades it's almost two decades <laughs>
1: yeah like and, and it's not just him like you know 5, 000 passing yards 50 touchdowns which i don't even know if he's ever done but like it's always there he's in the big games like you want to see the biggest faces the biggest guys like you want to see them showcasing on the biggest stage and trout has so much to offer he is that much i mean people say it all the time i'm just echoing it like if you're not watching it, you're missing Mickey Mantle. You know, I try to watch it occasionally just just to just to appreciate it. But
0: yeah, man, and- that
1: guy's special. Get him, get him some important games. Let him do some some crazy things and some you know like tense moments.
0: It, it's it's true, and it's so tough because you turn on any Portland Trailblazer game of the season, and there's a fantastic, fantastic chance you're gonna see Damian Lillard do a bunch of special stuff a bunch of special stuff in any game, you know? And if yep. you turn into an Angels game and you're watching, you're waiting sometimes 3 innings to see him strike out and then you see him catch one routine fly ball and then he gets walked. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a different it's speed grindy. Yeah, it's such a different speed of spectacular that it's tough yep. for for a fan who's like it's you're not an Angels fan, right? Like if you if he was on yep. the Mets, we'd see every at-bat he takes, more or less. But we're going to sit down and watch an Angels game. If the whole team's not interesting and not competitive, it gets really hard to sit through nine innings of an Angels game. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. So
0: I think baseball needs it. The fans need it. The Angels want it desperately at this point, I imagine. And uh, they have a chance to do it, to be around. If Rendon is doing Rendon things, Trout's doing Trout things, and Shohei's being Shohei. And that'll be exciting, man. We we kind of need it. I think there's a nice little hype around baseball at this point in time. You know, everyone's kind of excited about being outside. Uh last year's COVID baseball season was weird. It was it was good to to fill some space and exciting in its own right, but it was weird, right? And this year is starting to feel good. There's some excitement and the Angels being good. It's not the level of like the Knicks being good in the NBA or making sure the Lakers are good in the NBA, because the Angels don't matter. But Mike Trout, in and of himself. Matters that much like if he's good The league is better off And it proves true when you See the national schedule on TV The angels have played like three national games already And they have another one next week I saw Already so they're there To watch and I agree with you If you have a chance to catch Mike Trout Take some abs. it's worthwhile More often than not
1: Yeah I mean uh, yeah, there, There's Not enough you could say the guy is Spectacular um it would be great for the game, obvious for obvious reasons, and you, they don't even have to win it, but just just get to the dance. I just wanted to build off the point you made earlier. Like it could be so grindy for the regular season. That's why the 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 playoffs would be such an important thing because it would it's a, it's basically like a a sixteen game sprint, right? The first team to win sixteen games, so it's kind of like a a smaller showcase, and you know. Guys do crazy thing in 16 game spans. I mean, a Rosarena, a Rosarena, big poppy, uh, like the year before he retired with Boston, even John Carlos Stanton getting eliminated last year. Like there's some things that you see specifically in playoff runs and in that pack of games that you could see in a regular season too, but it just doesn't, it doesn't ring as poignant. Like I, I, I even skipped it, but, but Soto versus um the Astros. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's one specific series where a guy balled out and that that's going to live in my mind as a baseball fan forever.
0: Dude, Daniel Murphy. Forever.
1: Mm-hmm. Daniel? The Daniel Murphy run is, I mean, that's like, that's like the backbone of my meth fandom right there. It's like something that's probably one of my most proudest things is watching that. He had a home run off of, all the top arms in the NL for that playoff
0: race. Were you at my, I think you were actually at my house or one of those world series games in college. My whole, remember my whole probably family was there. It was like our birthdays.
1: <laughs> I probably was. Yeah. Honestly. That's crazy.
0: Uh, that feels like a different lifetime ago. And uh, I think meth fans are ready for some more playoff action to say the least, but let me, let's go uh, one, one or two more things. If you have anything, any players in particular, I know we just mentioned Trout and Shohei. We, we talked about the Padres enough. Like we know, we're, we know we're talking about Tatis and Machado. We obviously know about Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. Is there any other players that you a would say? Kind of guy. I got yeah, you. Well, maybe not even low-key, just people that you want to call out to be like, these guys are, are fun.
1: Okay, so this is definitely probably going to be a little fantasy-driven, but I don't think you can blame me. These are the guys that I follow, specifically the closest.
0: Usually those guys wow. are good, too, yeah. It works. Um, Kyle Tucker
1: of the Astros, outfielder, left handed bat, uh, can do a lot of things on a baseball field. Already has like a bunch of RBIs for the first week of baseball, has good pop. Like, I don't, I, I'm not going to say this year, but over the course of his career, it would not surprise me if Kyle Tucker had a 30 30 season, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. I like um, that. And then on the pitching side of things, I think this one, this one might not be as uh, under the radar as Kyle Tucker, but I think it needs to be pointed out regardless. Um, Julio Urias, Dodgers left-handed pitcher out of Mexico, mm.
0: uh,
1: pretty much since that playoff race last year, through spring training, through his first start of the year, has been lights out. Um, I mean, obviously it's way too early to call, but... Um, also, I'll say I'll say this now: All Star campaign for my boy. All Star campaign, mm. for and it's my tough. He's three. in a crowded
0: rotation over there.
1: Yeah, so you know he's gonna be balling out just to stay, just to stay in it.
0: You think somebody from that rotation can even win a Cy Young? You know, I'm thinking like now. All right, Frank loves the Urias. I love Frank. I'm gonna just check out his odds for Cy Young on FanDuel tonight and see if I could throw five bucks to win a quick hundred or something like that.
1: Uh, I definitely you... think it's possible, but they'd have to.
0: Because I feel It'd like they would to... take votes from each other, right?
1: They definitely would. It would have to be like the like the Cole and Verlander thing. It'd have to be like three hundred strikeouts, right? Or like Thirty wins. It'd have to take something super spectacular. I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, because it'll just be tougher. Like if Walker Bueller is awesome and this guy's awesome and Kershaw's Kershaw, like they're going to eat at each other's votes a little bit there. So that's kind of interesting. Anything else? Any any? Uh, I know like. I friggin love Acuna and I love Juan Soto and it stinks that they're in our division, but it's also cool. Cause I get to see them a little more often, even if they're, they're crushing our team. Anyone else to jump to mind last words before we hop to five minutes of Nick's talk.
1: A lot of it's West coast, but, um, yeah, I mean, Trent Grisham that, like, I mean, I know we, we said no more Padres, but no, well, he's, just he's the... Padre that intrigues me mm. kind of. Cause he's, he's got like a, I think he's just got like a super high ceiling. Like, um, so he's somebody, and then um, Ketel Marte.
0: Mm, who's he with right yeah. now? I know that. I know he's that guy.
1: Still, he's still on the Diamondbacks. Okay. But he is just a flat-out stud. Got a fun guy to watch.
0: There you go. I recommend so, yeah, uh, I, re- I, re- I recommend watching Nelson Cruz still. Uh, you're going young fun guy. I'm going old fun guy. Nelson Cruz on the Twins still dropping absolute nukes. The two home yeah, runs two that guys. he hit on Monday – The first one got out of the stadium in what, like three and a half seconds. They said it was like 14 feet high the entire time. And then he hit an absolute moonshot bomb. It was incredible.
1: Yeah. The the first one was a grand slam too. It was just a pure line drive, like, like easy flow swing. And the next one, he's like, I'm already, he's like, I'm up a hundred K on the table right now. I'm going to go big right now on the lowest side. And he just took a massive hack and hit a ball. Like if I had to guess, I'd probably say four sixty. So
0: that's one of the more underrated storylines of baseball right now is how damn good he still is. He
1: just gets, he honestly, it's, it's crazy to say, but he's, he's another guys like the Grom. He gets older. He seems to get better. Still. He's not,
0: is he 42?
1: I think I can, I can look, but I think he's 40.
0: That's crazy. I'm trying to click on him too here. You're probably going to beat me. He's 40, bro. That's crazy. He's 40 years old. He came off, uh, was he a league leader in home runs in the short season last year? Kind of. He had 16. And then he hit, dude, this is just nuts. Listen to this. From 2014. In 2014, that was seven years ago, so he was 33. 40 home runs, 44, 43, 39, 37, 41 up to 2019. And last year he had 16, which was relatively high across the league in the short season. Insane.
1: Pro prorated over the course of the season is is more than
0: 40, so. Goddamn. Goddamn. You know, that sucks for a guy like that. I was thinking about, like, you know, he might have two, another year or two. It looks like he, he has two more years in him. He's at 417 career home runs right now. Those 30 home runs he missed out on possibly, or 25 home runs he missed out on possibly in the short season, that could be the difference of him hitting 500 or not. That would stink.
1: Yeah. And also I'll say this, no matter how many home runs you hit, Nelson Cruz, I will always remember you for costing the Rangers a World Series by not being able to catch a fly ball in right
0: field. Oh my god. You fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh then it's a great point to move on to uh <laughs> to some basketball talk here. Let's just do 5 minutes of Knicks, Frank. Uh we haven't oh, spoken on the Knicks in a minute. We'll make this a kind of our last words for now it's getting to a point where the standings are starting to matter right when you check the standings at the all-star break when you check the standings a week and a half before the all-star break or anytime before that it was like oh yeah it's great the Knicks are currently slotted at fifth but there's three games separating the four seed and the 12 seed right so there's a lot of things that can happen even if only a little bit goes wrong right now they're they've won five out of 10 so they're 500 they're playing 500 basketball but They've lost, I think, three out of four. The offense is an issue. They're missing Mitchell Robinson. Derrick Rose just came back. He's kind of been in and out a little bit over the past couple of weeks. Um, there's still a confidence with the defensive effort that they're going to come and grind every night. But is there much confidence outside of that, Frank? And I want to ask you, where where do you try to place your expectations now seeing 25 and 26 on the record, losing tough games to good teams, losing some tough games to teams they could beat, but mostly handling their business. Are you just kind of happy with the 500 run? You think they got more in the tank or do you think they're still kind of overachieving? I know I said a lot, but what are your thoughts on the Knicks right now?
1: I think I'm, I'm still happy with it in the grand scheme of things. I know like, as it goes on, you kind of get swept up and obviously you want more and more and more. That's like human nature. That's, you know the life of being a fan but uh i, I think you kind of hit on it when you said it already Derek rose kind of just being in and out i felt like there was such like a chemistry and a flow and mitch rob went down for a little bit but it kind of still maintained and then Derek rose went out with the covid but mitch was back so it was kind of like still like we vibing and then mitch broke his foot and Derek rose was still not there for a few days and it's just still like I don't know what's different, but something feels different. I feel like since that point, so I I try to tape like tamper my expectations as best I can, but I always get excited. Uh, they still struggle to score, and I, it's obviously going to be their downfall. But um, I don't know, man. The de- the defense, like it's it's a mentality thing, and I I still do see it, and it's tough because we're losing games to, like. Good teams like the the nets and i forget the sixers recently the, and the sixers and i think the celtics beat us so
0: yeah and the heat beat us and it, it's so tough because i look uh, they lost to the timberwolves that was actually the, the worst heartbreak was the loss of timberwolves yeah um the heat are just so much they're just so much better than the knicks in every way i said it on the podcast um with Kyle. like the polished knicks exactly like
1: the polished like super hard mentality like next man up kind of deal.
0: Exactly. And then the Celtics, even though they've been a piece of crap <clears throat> by their own standards this year, they're, they have way better high end talent than the Knicks and they can in a bull, like a bullshit game where it gets muck mucked up and there's fouls and whatnot. They have two, sometimes three, sometimes four guys who can go get their own. And yeah. the Knicks I have mean, like one and a half guys. Yeah. And that's, I mean, to, I,
1: I think a good analogy to describe the, the Celtics and Knicks situation is like, The Celtics floor rests very close to where the Knicks ceiling does. Mm. Eloquent. That was eloquent. Yeah. And I I honestly, I I truly believe that, but
0: I think you have to, because by all accounts, this Boston team has been terrible this year and they're 25 and 25. And by all accounts, this has been an awesome Knicks season. They're 25 and 26. So yeah, yeah, I think you said that absolutely perfect. And, And it makes sense. Like, yeah, we like Reggie Bullock sometimes. Yeah, like Alec Burks has some really good games. Taj Gibson grinds. Like Nerlens Noel's been a, a great find for cheap. Back up big now start at big. But Jason Tatum's an All-Star. Jalen Brown's an All-Star. Kemba Walker's an All-Star 2 years ago. Marcus Smart's really good. He'd probably be the second best player on the Knicks right now, right? Like right now he's still better than RJ Barrett. He's the second best player on the Knicks right now. That's that's just that's it. That's, I mean, just, that's, the, it, guys that's guys the story. Like-
1: Tristan Thompson's won a championship before. Like it's, 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 it's even deeper than just the top line. Like it's, it's kind of through and through.
0: Yeah. But so, and I feel bad too. even coming on the podcast. And if it feels like every time I come on the podcast, it's like, Oh, I feel like I'm crap, crap talking the Knicks. It's not even that. I am definitely aware of the positives. I'm aware of the goodness of it. But when you really hear people talk about it, you see people on Twitter, you hear people getting excited and friend group group chats and whatnot. It's like, all right, well, you can't get that excited. Like it almost, it's almost because I don't want people to hurt themselves. Like, I don't want to see people get hurt. And I've been saying it the entire year. I felt like a negative Nancy, even though I'm so excited watching them every night. But there's just a lot missing on that offense. There's a lot missing. And I don't think anything out there during the free agency or, I mean, the trade deadline or the buyout was going to help them much. So you keep grinding, you keep winning these close games as best you can. Even if you lose more than you win at this point in time, it's all growth. It's all whatnot. The only thing I want to see, there's been some juice out of Obi Toppin. There's been some yes. juice. He, he's he finally
1: starting... is moving around. Exactly. Right? Like... He's
0: starting to jump uh, jump through the gym. He's starting to go for big rebounds. He, like And I know making uh, a putback dunk once a game is not as impactful uh, from a winning perspective as it is from an excitement perspective. But a momentum within one game makes a difference. But more importantly, the mo- momentum in Obi's career is important. Like he had a stretch um, where he made a putback dunk, he hit a three, he made a defensive stop. It's like yo, you kind of got to ride him right there, let him loose and give him give him some confidence to see what happens. And now if he's starting to do that more and more, now he carves out 19 minutes a game versus you know 11, and he starts proving himself. I don't know if he's gonna get enough of a leash to do that with the way Tibbs runs his his ship, you know, but. It's exciting to see him fly around because that's what you and I and Kyle were saying a long time ago when we're like, damn, it's ugly when he looks like he's stuck to the wood. This guy's supposed to fly around, like fly around and make some mistakes. Like who cares? Just play with confidence. Like quickly you can uh, pick apart some of his offensive game. You know, he could be a better passer. He's outside of the floater. He's not finishing that well all the time, but he's confident and he's ready to make plays, make big plays. And Obi's just starting to sprinkle some of those in.
1: Yeah. And I, I you said it very well um but the, the one thing i wanted to add like preseason and some of the stuff coming out of the draft you saw like oh this guy scored this on some of the athleticism tests and this is going to be one of the better athletes we've seen in a knicks uniform in a while and he wasn't really even showing it at all and to your point now he's kind of like doing some things like he, he doesn't have to burn the world and he doesn't have to take over rookie of the, of, of the year now that Lomelo has gone. But like, to your point, keep showing progression, keep, keep grinding, keep your nose down. Like keep going with the Knicks mentality that they've shown 50, 51 games through the year so far. Like let's, let's keep that going. That's the most important thing. Like if you guys are still gritty, if you guys are still grimy, like New York basketball, like fans are going to ride or die. It takes a lot to hurt Knicks fans at this point, I think. So we should be able to take it. Like, just just maintain it. That's all we want. Maintain it, baby.
0: Right. Keep, keep that energy. Keep that same energy all the time. Uh, I do hope that the rotation gets messed with a little bit to just give some guys some more looks, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's the one thing we kind of knew was going to be a thing with Tom Thibodeau. Yep. We, we should have expected this. Like, we know who he is. We know how he rolls. We liked it up until this point. I don't think you can get too mad at it, but I think it's pretty fair to say, you know, let's ride him a little bit. Let's get Knox and burn a little more often. He's shooting the ball well the entire year. You know what I mean? So we'll, yep. we'll see if that happens. Uh, I don't know if it's going to, though. That That's part of the problem, too. I don't know if it's going <laughs> to. I will say this. If I'm, if I'm the Celtics, if I'm uh, one of these teams in... Like the five, six, seven spouts, or I guess more importantly, right now because they're in the eight spot. If you're in the play-in, you don't want to see the Knicks because they're going to grind and make it a pain in the ass. But even bigger, say the Knicks do lock up, you know, the seven seed or this or the six seed or God forbid they lock the five seed. I don't think the Heat, the Bucks, like, they don't want to play the Knicks. You'd rather play the Hornets now because they're all banged up. Uh, I guess you you really don't want the Celtics either. That's definitely worse. But out of the Pacers, the Bulls, maybe the Raptors can get frisky. Like I don't know. The Knicks might be on top of that list of teams like you don't want to play because you know they're going to make it ugly. They're going to make you work for it. And that's at least the the most we can say in the past 10 years. You know or or 8 years or yeah. 9 years. So I'm taking it all day. I'm taking it to the bank.
1: I I mean I couldn't agree more. Let's let's just beat somebody up. We don't got to beat them. But just like beat them up a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. like I don't want them hurt. I want them bruised. I don't want them injured. I want them hurt. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not You're not injured, you're hurt. Yeah, get you got up. a bruise
1: on your, <laughs> on, on your elbow. That
0: takes me back to like high school football. You're not hurt, <laughs> get up. <laughs> get up, you're not hurt. All right, well, all right, I guess I'm not hurt. Let me get up. And you keep going.
1: <laughs> I've, I've gotten that conversation many a times. Are you hurt, son,
0: or are you injured? Right. It's a difference. It is. It it's is different. It's interesting. But uh, that's good stuff, Frank. You have anything else to add? Knicks, Mets, baseball, football, anything? Quick hot take for the Sam Darnold trade. What do you got?
1: No, nah, rest in peace, Sam Darnold. Uh, whenever he was born in 1997 to that day, he got mono in New York City for kissing mm. a chick. Mm. Poor guy died for kissing a chick in New York City of all places. Are you kidding me?
0: <sighs> Unreal. The kid was just trying to live the dream out there. Now he's going down to Carolina. See what happens. I, I Do you think, let me just say this, do you think he will be a starting quarterback for the next five years?
1: I think Sammy D could be great. I wish him nothing but the best.
0: Okay. Very political answer from somebody who's not even a Jet fan, by the way.
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I really you're trying don't to, know.
0: You're answering like you have actually said something about him that was a little bit mean, and now you're just trying to be nice.
1: I was trying to pretend like I knew enough about football to be like, no, this guy's got the intangibles, He's got the arm count. Like, we'll see. You know, the jury's still out. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I feel you. It though. Could be. I feel you. Could we'll be.
0: see. We'll see what happens. Uh lots to happen now. You see assume Zach Wilson will be the Jets quarterback of the future and uh the Giants will have a couple options at that spot. At 11, what are they? Eleven or twelve? I forget. Eleven, right?
1: I don't even know, but I know we got Kenny G, baby.
0: Let's go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's go. That's exciting. Uh, this was exciting. Frank Villani, thank you so much. Subway Sports Talk. We talk some Mets. We talk some baseball. We talk a little hoops. That's how we do it here on Subway Sports Talk. Frank, Pete, next episode coming out on baseball later in the week, I think Thursday. So stay tuned. Enjoy your week. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah.